Once again, we have another segment with my new friend, Joshua Shea, former porn addict, now author, public speaker, and coach. And today's episode kind of covers the topic of experience being the best teacher. ¿Qué pasó, cochinos and sucias? I'm that pato gallo, the sucio supreme. You can find me at Cochino Chingon on Instagram, TikTok, sometimes Snapchat, and very rarely Twitter. Welcome to another episode of Sucias are my favorite. I'm speechless, literally, because there's so many things that, you, like I said, every time you say something, it's like, oh my God, you're so much more concise with what I've been trying to spit out for the past year with the podcast. Well, how many, how many shows have you done? I've got 60-ish right now. I've done five times more. That's all is that I'm, and the thing is, as somebody who was a journalist, I know how to give a quote because I listen to so many people not give good quotes my entire life that no dude, I don't need one word and no dude, I don't need the Gettysburg address. I need three or four sentences or a really good story that has a beginning, middle and end. And you know, it was, it was kind of funny. Like I mentioned, I was on my I was on my city council here in our town from 2011 to 2013. Wow, it's been 10 years. The newspaper when they would when the local newspaper would come and cover the uh, the meetings, I was the one who was always quoted all the time because I knew how to make my point in about 50 words and then sit back and be quiet. Where some of these people who were just blowhards would go on and on and on and on. And they would be like, how come you're always quoting? It's like, because you say something good for like two sentences and then you speak for another five minutes and everybody forgets those first two sentences. Just say those first two sentences and shut up. And if you have something else to add, come back later. People remember brevity. People remember saying things. And I mean, I, you know, I, I've been an editor for so many years of writing. It's just as easy to be an editor of words, you know, spoken. So it's not like a, a natural ability. It's been worked on for years and years and years. But hey, I'll come on your show anytime. I am having such a fantastic time having this conversation with you because so many times it's somebody who hasn't read any of my books, hasn't looked at my website, is, is a regular porn watcher because most people are these days and think that they can, you know, they, they know everything because they've been to Pornhub a few times. And I'm loving our conversation because you get this. Um, and you know this deep at your core and you live with this. And that's why I say so many people out there will hear this and will hear themselves and what you and I are saying. And I just hope that they recognize that you and I are success stories. We're not angels. We're not, we're not the best people in the world. You know, we still have our foibles. We still have our issues. We still have all the anger and sadness and anxiety that comes with being a normal human being, but you can get through this. You can succeed. You can get better before you make the kind of mistakes or, or life-changing uh, decisions and not always in control of your life that you and I made. And I think that's, that's what I hope a 17-year-old guy listening to this is hearing. That's what I hope a 28-year-old woman listening to this is hearing is that you can get better whenever you want, but you need to go get help and you need to find the best way to get help for you. One of the most frustrating pieces of what I do is having to let the spouses know or the partners know that you can lean on them, you can nudge them, but you can't force them to do anything. And unfortunately, sometimes that addict 
will just draw such a line in the sand. You either have to decide you are going to live with somebody who is an addict who makes you feel bad, or you're going to leave. And sadly, that's sometimes the only two options. You don't have that middle one where thankfully my wife was open enough to allow me to try to improve and try to get better. You know, I think I thank the Lord for her, but um I hope that the people who are listening to you and I, who are like, I'm a little bit like him, or I, I, that, I've heard, I, I could tell that story too. You know, you're not alone out there. You know, alcohol is everywhere. Drugs are everywhere. All of this stuff is everywhere, but we're still so hung up on sexuality, whether it's because it's naked people or it's what happens behind closed doors or because it's about that, you know, and this is one of the reasons why I find the kink community so comfortable to talk with is because like with pornography, it scratches some of those areas way deep back in your mind that you wouldn't even want to admit to some people that exist. And I think so many people have that, like, you know, God, I I would never watch that kind of porn. You name it, I probably saw it. Some of it hit my brain, some of it didn't hit my brain. You know, I had 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 to had to try all of it, but I could stop and I could learn how to manage it. You were able to continue on with the exploration of your sexuality, but to to frame your your outlook differently and to do it in a far more healthy way. And I tell people who are are porn addicts or their partners, because I sometimes do work with both of them, that you you can have healthy sexuality and it can be whips and chains and dressing up like a clown and having sex in public and whatever it is you're into, aces. As long as you're not hurting anybody, awesome. But when you meet a partner who isn't into any of that stuff, healthy sexuality, as far as your partnership goes, does not go into those areas. If your partner does not want to do the whips and chains, if your partner does not want to do the, you know, doesn't want to experiment in bed and try crazy things, you have to accept that because healthy sexuality as a partnership is very different than healthy sexuality as an individual. And one thing I will uh, tell people who are listening is that one of the biggest mistakes made in a rocky marriage, especially if it's a little bit rocky in the bedroom, is that somebody suggests bringing pornography into it. Uh, if you start watching porn from the beginning and it's a marital aid and it's, or it's a, it's something that you and your partner enjoy doing, fantastic. It's healthy for you. Great. If it's if one of you doesn't want to do it, it becomes unhealthy immediately. And you are now forcing somebody into an unhealthy area of sexuality. That's not cool. And that's something that people need to work on. And bringing pornography into the relationship isn't the answer because the moment pornography is brought into an unhealthy, what is already an unhealthy relationship, you are now three times more likely to get divorced than if you had not brought pornography into it based on statistics. I did not know that one. I did know that it causes problems. I didn't know the, how many times it would do it. Three times more likely. You know, with our life stories, like how you were on track one way and you end up different, you know, it's to my listeners realize that, Hey, you're the, the best laid plans of mice and men are just never going to happen for you because you can be on track to be whatever you plan to be NBA star politician groomed to be the president or governor, whatever you have in your life, you're not in control of everything. You can't be in control of everything in your life. Trying to do that is going to be stressful. It's going to cause more problems, might even drive you deeper into your own addiction. And, And I'd say that's, that very much is, is a lot of what my story was, was, 
you know, I was 20 years old when I came up with the concept for the first magazine that I launched when I was 34. So for 14 years, I had this in the back of my mind of what I wanted to do. I started this company and even though it was 2008 and we were going through this housing crisis and financial crisis, it was an overnight success. It was huge. I was voted on to the city council just a couple of years later because everybody knew who I was. And I actually, through my magazine, although it became a different business, I started an international film festival uh, that ran for four or five years here in Maine. And we were bringing in Hollywood celebrities and big deal people. And I was doing all this stuff and on paper, you know, 15 year old Josh would have said, you are successful. You are happy. This is awesome. And it was actually when I was at my most busy, when I was doing all of that, that things got the worst because ultimately it turned out, okay, so you're successful. So what? Success doesn't equal happiness. Success doesn't equal contentment. And on paper from the outside, I look good for everybody, but I'm not happy on the inside. And I now, all these years later, am very happy on the inside. You know, it's Tuesday night. It's the second, we're we're recording this on the second Tuesday. uh, uh, And where I am, it's, it's about 6.30 at night. In my old life, the second Tuesday of every month, was the Chamber of Commerce's little get-together, happy hour between five and seven. And all the business owners would get together and act totally phony towards each other and talk about how they could work deals with each other and, and laugh like a bunch of bad actors. And it was just one of those things where at the beginning, I was like, yes, I'm a mover and shaker. I'm, I'm somebody in town now. You know, people know my name. And after a few years of that, it's like, okay, uh, Turned out this wasn't what I was looking for. I thought it was, but it isn't. Once I got into recovery, once I went to work on that trauma side of things, and then once I started communicating, and especially now extending it into the coaching, I think this is what I was supposed to be doing. I mean, not not all along. As they say in Shawshank Redemption, I had to crawl through a river of shit to come out clean on the other side. And that's where I am now. And I am I am physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally so much healthier now at 45 than I ever was at 25 or 35. And I don't fret about all those years that I lost because they were all in service of bringing me here. And I currently have a better relationship with my wife and kids than I've ever had. I'm happier and more content than I've ever been. I haven't had a drink in almost eight years. haven't looked at porn in almost eight years, uh, despite the fact I talk about porn all day long. And uh, I probably know more about porn now than I ever did back then. I just don't look at it now. It's one of those things where I think that instead of teaching our kids to go after some pinnacle of success that is defined by what we watch on television, more often we just need to ask our kids, are you happy? And my, my son is a freshman in college this year. And I went and saw him for the first time this last weekend. That is uh, parents weekend. And we had a very good heart to heart that my dad never had with me. Are you happy? Are you fitting in here? Do you have friends? You know, you don't have to tell me anything that's going to, you know, don't worry about me being upset or sad or anything like that. I just want you to be content and happy because there were so many things I did at his age which were about following the script my parents laid out, following the script that, you know, my teachers in high school had laid out and just trying to keep everybody else happy by being this 
high quality writer already working at the newspaper or, you know, and, and it, it was in service to everybody except me. And I think that the younger people can be when they recognize they have to be in service to themselves in a healthy way, the better off we're going to be as a society. One thing I wanted to touch on is, so earlier about the not causing pain to your partner without their consent, because that is a part of kink, like some want pain. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's it. And when I say pain, I guess I mean emotional pain. Even then that can be a, a part of kink, wanting to be emotional pain or simulation. But again, I think the key would be without their consent. Right, right. With your life, the way you described it, the Chamber of Commerce. So I had gotten a scholarship to go to Phillips Academy mm -hmm. and I turned it down because one, I was already the youngest kid in my class. I was, uh, my birthday was in the summer. So I was always the youngest within my age group. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I was always taller than most of my classmates. So people would think I was two years higher or older, but I was the youngest in my class and I just didn't want to get skipped another grade and put into Phillips Academy. And then as an adult, I realized I could have ended up going to Yale. I could have ended up having that type of life. And I might've been miserable. I think I would have been very miserable being stuck in suburbia. I hear that now and I think, oh my God. I mean, my, my son and I, I, I was on the college campus with him for probably 30 minutes. And then it was like, okay, we got to get out of here because I'm getting hives. I just, I, 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 I've, I, I did college. I know what it's like. I've never been good with classrooms. It gives me PTSD. So we spent the whole weekend just driving around New York State, and, you know, saw stuff like that and hung out his father and son because I think that was healthier for both of us. Um, and I just want him to have the tools um, as a young man that I didn't have. And, uh, you know, hopefully he I know he's going to turn out better than I did. I mean, you'd almost have to plan to turn out worse. And, uh, and, uh, and that, that's one of the things when I was in rehab, I remember sitting there thinking, Oh my God, I'm, I'm 38 years old sitting in rehab. I couldn't plan this worse. I literally could not sit down when I was 18 and go, okay, here's how I'm going to screw this stuff up. And I think we're moving there in society. And that's one of the reasons why I talk so much about pornography is because Scary statistic I share with people, and this one's now almost five years old, pre-pandemic, so I can only imagine how much worse it is now. There was a, an organization actually in Texas called the Barna Group, who was working for Covenant Eyes, which is a, an anti-porn uh, Christian group. And they did a giant study of men across the country, and they found that in the 18 to 30-year-old male group, no, no breaking it down any further, just 18 to 30 years old, that between 32 and 33% said they either have a problem with pornography, they know that they're watching way too much pornography, they are developing addiction, or they have a full-blown addiction. One out of three men from 18 to 30 said this five years ago. Well, now these men are 23 to 35. And there's another five years of younger guys who have moved up. I feel horrible for these people. We're going to have to deal with them one-on-one -on -one to get them better. If we can, as a society, as parents, as teachers, start giving age-appropriate lessons you know, something as simple as at seven years old, hey, if you're using your, your tablet or if you're watching TV and you see people without their clothes, let me know because kids, are, kids shouldn't be looking at that stuff. Just let me know, okay? A seven-year-old is going to say, okay. A 13-year-old isn't going to say, okay. A 13-year-old is going to say, wait, wait, how do I see naked people on my tablet? 
can you explain this to me? Because I'm not doing that. And I would really like to, and my friends do this. So explain to me how we need to do this. You know, at seven years old, we can tell a kid, don't let anybody ever take a picture of you in your underwear or without your clothes on. And you don't even ever take a picture of somebody without their underwear, their clothes on. Okay. All right, cool. Let's watch cartoons. You know, it's, it's that simple. I think you can plant some of those seeds, age appropriate seeds, without scaring a child. And while we're never going to get rid of all addiction, I think that we may be able to start taking care of some of those numbers, hopefully. But good Lord, this pandemic. All I can say about the pandemic is uh, I think it's creating a lot of job security for me for the next 200 years. To my listeners, thank you for sticking around. I love you. You're worthy of it. And until next time, besos.